Star Wars Monthly Monday number 9. Get out of my bar, freak. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-legged, and now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, blah, blah. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Living and breathing, eating, sleeping, shitting Star Wars. That's what I do. I'm Chris Honeywell. And also, who does it too? Scott Gardner. We're two true freaks. Star Wars, that's, Star Wars, Star Wars. That's disgusting, Peyton. <laughs> I want to see you soldiers eating Star Wars, sleeping Star Wars. Is that a Star Wars in your bunker, Private Gardner? You're a disgusting sir, fat body. <laughs> Don't call me, sir. I work for a living. Oh my god! I must have heard that about twenty billion. Oh my god! I'm having like, I'm having non flashbacks. <laughs> They're up in the oh, trees, oh man. Oh my god! Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, how's it going, man? You doing Good. all right? Good. Uh, Just Star hanging Wars, out, and we're back on eating, sleeping, shit, and Star Wars. There you go. We're we're back on our our regular Star Wars rotation now, and it feels so good. Yeah, it was nice to get the uh, get the little break, but I'm I'm so anxious to get back to our regular routine, digging back into the the vault of the uh, the Marvel Star Wars comics and all that goodness. So sweet, sweet. Hey, speaking of uh, Marvel Star Wars comics, this month's issue of uh, Back Issue Magazine, you know, it's a it's a magazine, full-size magazine that Two Morrows Publishing puts out. Yeah, you've been all into uh, it, right? That's the one you're oh, trying, to, trying yeah. to get a lot of back issues of, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, st- I'm, I'm, I'm about halfway there. They're, they're up to number 34 right now, and I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I would say I've probably got about half or better of the, you know, the total number that they've put out. But I love it, man. It's a great magazine. It's just all about Mostly 70s and 80s era focus on comics, you know, so it's like the stuff we grew up with and it's just awesome, you know, all the flashbacks. And then, I, you know, I learn a lot of stuff about both stuff that, you know, I already knew about that we grew up reading or, you know, stuff that I may have like said, eh, that didn't look like it's for me. And then they, you know, they'll do an article on it and then it's like, ah, now I got to track that down and read it kind of thing. So it's pretty cool. You know, you just, the- just, just sideline you for a second. You just reminded me, I found a whole bunch of comic preview magazines and started reading them from that 
from from that actual time oh, yeah, period, yeah. and they were so pretentious. Oh my god, it was great. I'm gonna have to quote some on a further show. But anyway, I don't mean to. Oh to no, that's cool. No, and, I like and, those. And I like those too. I love I love those kind of magazines because they give you a feel for you know being able to step back in time and like what was coming out you know in a certain year or something like that. I love collecting stuff there's, like that. There's some real snobby reviews of of stuff, including <laughs> of, of of the um, saga of the Swamp Thing run that we're doing in oh, our yeah. comic show. They they did not like it. So I'll I'll <laughs> I'll I'll quote that in the next episode of that. All right, so anyway, this uh, this month's uh, back issue actually has a short but sweet interview with uh, Bob Wycheck, who was an inker on uh, the Star Wars, you know, Marvel comic Star Wars. Um, actually, some issues that I believe we're covering tonight, but uh, they, you know, they have a nice little interview with him talking about his work on both Star Lord and Star Wars with Carmine Infantino that's set, you know, right in this era that we're examining tonight. So uh, I thought that was really a nice little coincidence and I wanted to call attention to it. So people, you know, might be able to go and check that out. Um, it's just really interesting. I, I like any time they, they cover, you know, the, the star Wars material, they've done uh-huh. it once or twice in their magazine. And uh, it's just, you know, pretty cool to check out. Yeah, and just um, generally check out back issue magazine. Anyway, it sounds like, yeah. You're, you're yeah, it's a, it's fantastic, and I mean, if you go through any of the the online things, like uh, you know, I'm I'm now with Heroes Corner, or if you go with uh, like DCB Service, something like that, they discount it too. So I mean, you can get it, you know, with a good chunk off the cover price, well worth your your dollar. That's a great magazine. It's always a good read, and just tons of you know information and insightful articles and stuff. So yeah, check them out definitely. Um. Also, I wanted to, to mention this. I meant to mention this before and just kind of ran out of time in the in the last show. Right. But uh, my my last thing Disney-related for from the Star Wars trip and all that, and, and then I'm going to leave it lie. But uh, I just wanted to mention anybody that actually drives to Florida, you know, wh- whether it's going to, down to Disney or Universal or anything like that, anybody who drives through, say, the lower half of Georgia headed down to Florida – if you get the chance, if you have the time, stop off. It's it's on 75 South. I'm pretty sure it's exit five. You'll see signs for like 100 miles before you get to this place. It's one of those book warehouse things. You know, they've got all these giant billboards. No book over $3 or whatever. Every time we go down there, either on the drive down or the drive back, this is like the one little treat that my wife and I allow ourselves as we go in there and, you know, we're both voracious readers course i'm always looking for you know the star trek star wars books that sort of thing and but you know she reads like everything under the sun so we stop there and just load up and uh man she bought i don't know how many bucks worth of books this last trip but i actually found a couple star wars books and uh, i thought that was pretty cool i found uh star wars this is a couple of the legacy of the force books i found uh sacrifice by karen travis i'm actually reading one of her books right now i'm reading her uh novelization of uh star wars the clone wars you know the the actual film the movie movie. that kicked off the series and it's really good i like the writing style so far and then one called invincible by troy denning so it's going to take me a while to read these you know to get to these to read them because i think these are at the like tail end of where they're actually at right now as the books come out so it'll be a long time before i get to them but i just thought it was awesome i picked them up like dirt cheap and they also they even had uh I got a Star Trek book as well, which I'm not going to mention that because this is our Star Wars show. 
but I did get a uh, another astronaut book. I always seem to find astronaut books at this place dirt cheap, and they had one. It was called Light This Candle. It was the uh, the uh, Alan Shepard story. So I was like, oh, I, I got to read that. I like Al Shepard. He was one of my favorite astronauts. So I thought that was cool. But yeah, I love those. What places. do you got, man? Um, oh yeah. Well, last time I I said I had picked up the first three of the the new uh, Clone Wars comics, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually now I have the first six I think five or six of them I don't know I have I, but I read the first three of them, and I don't want to go too in depth with them because they're new, so I don't want to give too much away or you know take away people's enjoyment of them. But they're really good. I th- the writer is a writer for the TV show, so immediately it has the feel, you know, in the dialogue and the story of the TV show and the look of it. It's it's nice art. I'm not a fan of that shiny paper, but you know what are you gonna do? It's uh, you know everything's printed on that, but it looks it's got nice art, um, and it, it concerns you know um, Ahsoka's people and uh, and uh, slavers. You know her people end up in the hands of slave slave traders, and uh, it's just a really it has the. Uh, it totally has the feel and the flow of the TV show. You know, it each, yes. each each comic is 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 roughly about a half hour long. You know, in in if you made it if you adapted it into a TV show, so it's like episodes of it's like another episode of the TV show, and the and the artwork is more co- you know comic sort of il- illustrationy art. It doesn't have that you know um, the the exact look of the of the CG of the TV show, but that doesn't matter. You know, it's still got the same sort of feel. They're still a bit stylized and, uh, and you know, the stories are a little more, are a little lighter and more just, you know, adventuresome. And, uh, yeah. Would would you like it if it, would would you like it if it did have that, that CGI look? Because I I don't know that I would, I would, Eh. I would think it would feel too much like a photo novel or something like that. It would look, yeah, it would, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm just curious. Or, uh, yeah, yeah I, it, it would, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm very surprised that they haven't done that with this, with this, you know, I'm very surprised that the photo novels have sort of gone to the wayside, I guess, because people can walk around with an iPod and watch their favorite movies rather, you know, yeah. I, I remember when photo novels were, were pretty hot diggity. I would, they never made Star Wars photo novels. That would have been, uh, we would have flipped Oh yeah! Can you imagine? Yeah, definitely. Well, we had those hand crank, whatever they were, Fisher Price or whatever those movies, you know. So we had those. But yes, yeah. You know what? It's you just reminded me. Um, You can um, um, see it if you go to the Two True Freaks. Um, If you go to our Libsyn site, there's a link to our YouTube page, and I just put up some video of I took my Super Eight Star Wars movie that I got at a garage sale. And I just got a really nice, just workhorse projector. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it doesn't have sound. And this Star Wars film, the Super 8 film, does have sound. It has a magnetic strip on the side of it instead of the, you know, the visual wavelength soundtrack. Right. But um, I don't have a sound projector. Those Those are hard to come by. So what I did was I took my camera and I projected it really close to a nice white screen so it was really condensed with a lot of light and zoomed in and 
filmed with the camera. Of course, it's still really blurry. And then I reduced it down to YouTube size eventually. So it's really retro looking. And I took it <laughs> and I uh, and I was like, you know, I could just take the DVD and take the sound off and put it on because it's a scene with Ben talking to Luke and giving him, you know, his father's lightsaber. And then it's basically the escape from the Death Star and the TIE, TIE Fighter. It's Ben's death and TIE Fighter attack without Ben's oh, death. Yeah. There's no scene of the of the sword fight, you know, that you just see Darth Vader sort of walking towards the door as Luke blasts the door. But I found out very quickly that the film runs way slower than the DVD. So I had to just sort of roughly dub stuff in and just put a rough music background in it. So it's got a very it's Star Wars as you've never seen it before with lots of awkward pauses to keep the voices semi in sync. And uh, it's kind of fun to watch. It's nothing uh, spectacular, but uh, just an interesting little Star Wars bit of, you know, you get to see the, I love the titles at the, you know, the beginning. They're just your normal, you know, George Lucas presents Star Wars. And it's just (laughs) there on the screen and then it fades out and then to the next one. And it's like, and it's, and it's like starring Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, um, Harrison Ford, and then in little tiny, also starring Alec Guinness, and then in little even <laughs> tinier letters, also starring Peter Cushing, and those are the only people that get credit oh, as wow. far as actor-wise on the whole thing. I'm glad that Peter Cushing did. I'm sh- I'm glad he got props for being the horror icon that he is, or you know the genre icon that that is Peter Cushing. Well, also speaking of uh, of YouTube, I did my first ever YouTube postings recently. You know, I've I've gone on there a number of times, but that's one of those sites I, I normally avoid as much as possible because I, I know that I'll just anytime I log on, I get sucked in yeah. for hours on end. I end up watching every goofy video they have. But and there's a actually, lot of those. Oh yes, yeah, there are. Well, I actually posted some for the very first time. And then you were just informing me before the show started that uh, that apparently we got a nice little letter from Lucasfilm telling yeah. us, uh, please take these videos down. So I had posted, um, I think it was six videos. It was the, the Star Wars uh, weekend's parade, <clears throat> excuse me, the parade that I attended at Disney. And then it was a very short, maybe a minute at most, film of what they called Wicket's Warehouse, was where you could buy all the exclusive merchandise. And then the uh, the uh, Clone Wars behind the Force show, with uh, you know the voice behind Ahsoka and the voice voice behind Obi Wan, um, that was split into like three or four parts. Well, I haven't looked gone to the site to look, but um, according to what you were telling me, Chris, it, it sounds like the parade is the only thing left. So I, you know, I'd still yeah, encourage I'm not people really go sure take a look on at Wicked's the warehouse. It could be yeah. up. It might not be. I, I I cannot confirm at this time the status of Wicked's warehouse. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's it's a shame, you know, if if they pulled all the rest of that content. But it, in a way, it doesn't surprise me. I mean. During the course of that show, they they did a really good, very lengthy preview of the second season of Clone Wars, which they asked us not to film. I didn't film it. I you know I re- I honored their requests and everything, but what I did basically was I just aimed my video camera at the floor the whole time, so the video goes to black, 
but I still recorded the audio, and maybe that's what they objected to. Just I don't like know. Taping. But anyway, uh, yeah, they they the you know TV. they pulled it anyway, which which is unfortunate. But but anyway, you know, I, I talked about that before, so I won't go into it again. But I just thought it was it was kind of weird, and I thought I'd mention it real quick. Um, before we go into, we've got even more comments. Oh, uh, you were talking about the uh, the Clone Wars thing. I was going to let you know. Now that Clone Wars series, I'm buying that too, and I'm really, really digging it. Well, that was originally solicited as you know, like one of six, two of six, all the way through. But then I noticed the last time I I did my comic ordering that that has become a continuing series now. That it is going to continue past six. And I was wondering if if you think you're going to continue to pick it up. I'll probably pick it up indefinitely at this point. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not rocking my world, but it's a good read, and you know I'm a sucker for those and a good Star Wars comic. Hell yeah, I'm I'm down, you know. And all the other yeah. ones, the the other ones are sort of there's a lot of like sort of I guess expanded universe it would be called or stuff, you know, like the Rogue Squadron and stuff. As much as I like playing the video game, I'm not really that interested in in that stuff. But this right. is this is something I'm you know I'm involved watching the TV show and stuff, so. This is more interesting to me, and it's so. Yeah, yeah, I'm on board unless it starts sucking or just becoming bland. But it sort, you know, it reminds me of. And I know you're not a Simpsons watcher, but I'm a Simpsons watcher, and I and I got all the Simpsons comics up into like the early hundreds, you know, a hundred and something, you know, like a hundred and ten or something. And it reminded me of that. It was like very. Right very much written like you know it played out like an episode of the tv show written like the tv show and just sort of complemented the tv show it was like having another episode in comic form and it wasn't like having the best although some of them were really good some of them weren't that good but for the most part that was just like the tv show and this is sort of seems to be following that pattern for me right there's only i've only read three episode or episodes issues so far but I've I've sort of looked through the other three and they look about the same. Same. The only other, the only other brand new Star Wars that I'm getting as it actually comes out is I'm getting those little Clone Wars. Digest. I don't I don't know what you yeah digest yeah thank you I was trying to think of the word the little digest size, those are really really good I I enjoy those a lot they're very much in the style of the original Clone Wars adventures that were that were done in the style of the animated you know the hand drawn Star Wars uh, Clone Wars series right. on uh, right. you know on uh, Cartoon Network but there's also this new series that's come out and it's I call it a series but I mean they're they're really they're like a, a string of one shots and the first one just came out it was called Han Solo and the Hollow Moon of Coria, I guess is. I, I may have I mentioned this in, in another show. It was fantastic. The, the only problem with these books is that they're they they're pricey. Like the retail on this, this one is seven ninety five. Now, of course, I didn't pay that. I got a healthy discount on it. I would say if you can get them discounted, if you can find them, you know, cheap, you know, whether back bins or, or ordering them in advance or whatever, definitely pick these up. I mean, this was great, man. The art was fantastic. It was, I mean, it was, it nailed the character of Han. You know, I mean, it was a great Han and Solo, or excuse me, Han Solo and Chewbacca solo story, which I'm usually sketchy on. I don't usually care for like Han 
you know, all, all alone, just Han and Chewie stories, but this one was great. And so, yeah, I mean, pick that up if, if you got, you know, if you can get it on a discount or what, but, uh, at that con that I was just at a couple weekends ago, um, you know, there's all these other Star Wars titles out there that I basically ignore, you know, because they just don't interest me at all. You know, they, they deal with like all these other weird Jedi or they take place in other time periods or whatever, and they just right. don't grab me. But I spotted one just just looking at the cover and I picked it up and I thumbed through it and it was uh, Star Wars Republic number uh-huh. 50. And apparently that's where the format of that show or excuse me, of that comic switched over and became a Clone Wars tie in. And it had Uh, something to do with Anakin and the Clone Wars. So uh, I did a little bit of research and it turns out that these um, Clone Wars trade paperbacks that I keep seeing all over the place, like the first one has Mace Windu on like a purplish cover. Those those trade paperbacks are reprints of Republic from like a couple issues before number 50 and then up. So they're done under the Clone Wars banner because they actually covered Clone Wars era stories. I might actually check those out because the art was fantastic. I have no idea what the stories are like, but uh, I'm thinking about uh, my my next comic order. I just might order that that first trade paperback and see if it's any good because it looked really cool. So I'll, if I do, I'll let you know uh, how that works yeah, out. Yeah, definitely do that. Hey, I hear we but, got uh, some uh, letters in the old mail sack. Yeah, mail yeah, sock. you read, you read my mind. That's just where I was going to go. We got uh, this is kind of uh, kind of a continuing thing. We got a nice, wonderful, lengthy um, feedback um, to our Gmail account. That's two true freaks at gmail dot com, which we don't get near enough feedback to. By the way, we get a lot of great stuff on the forum, but we don't get a whole lot of actual like letters to you know our our, our Gmail account. Um, anyway, we got one from uh, Mei Yi Chun, and this is just uh, – we. I got kind of in correspondence with him, and this was just some follow-up e- uh, feedback that he had. And uh, I just wanted to kind of throw it out there, and uh, there were a couple of talking points in this. Anyway, he says, uh, after introducing me to the uh, Inside the Magic podcast, he says, I have to thank you uh, once again for introducing me to the excellent Film Score monthly podcast in one of your forum posts. The episode featuring all the Star Trek movies was indeed fantastic. I like how in-depth they analyzed the music while still being comprehensible to those of us not so familiar with musical terms. Another really good episode that I listened to was about uh, plagiarism, episode 17, which was October 9th, 2006. And James Horner seems to be the worst offender, which I got to agree with that. Not only using his melod- uh, using melodies by other composers, but even reusing them multiple times for different films he scored. And then he goes on to say, I'm not that into Star Wars anymore, but I am still a huge Star Trek fan. So I'm eagerly awaiting your coverage of the first DC Star Trek comic book series, which we are doing now in our Star Trek uh, Monthly Mondays. Um he says, I really love that title. The first comics uh, that I collected regularly as a kid were that, Marvel Star Wars, G.I. Joe, which I hear that from a lot of people that Star Wars and, or G.I. Joe or maybe a combination I of the both. I remember my like cousin the... started comics on G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. yeah. I sold him all of mine, remember? Yeah. yeah that's, that's right. Because I had a whole run of those things. I ended up selling them all for a pretty penny, as I recall, to your aunt for, for your cousin. Yep. 
Um, and, oh, and Transformers, he says. He was also hooked on Transformers. The first Marvel Star Trek comic that came out after the motion picture were pretty lackluster, in my opinion. My opinion, too. Um, I vote that you cover those issues as quickly as possible, whether it be a blog post or just as a series overview, so that you can move on to the great DC series. Well, we, I've only got one chunk left to cover on those, and, and then thankfully I'll be the done. with it. Yep. He says, I'm currently a lurker on the forums, but I'll be sure to let you know if I ever decide to join. May ye, you got to join the forums, man. You're missing some good chat over there. Some great stuff going on, and we would love for you to chime in. You have very insightful opinions, I think. Anyway, he continues. He says, uh, your forums are becoming one of my favorite sources for information. Um, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what information you're getting. Okay. Um says maybe he's like a private detective and he's like building a case file on us or something Either like way, that. Either way, I yeah. <laughs> says I was really enthused to learn that the new release of the score to Batman Mask of the Phantasm from La La Land Records he says is my favorite bat film period. Amen, oh, brother. You guys got a lot in common there it sounds yes, like. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We really do. He says, uh, people at my local comic book store were surprised when I said I preferred it over any of the live action movies by a large margin. Well, they shouldn't be because all the live ones suck. Yep, pretty Uh, much. I bought the original CD when the movie first came out, and I actually uh, managed to actually see it during the week when it was in theaters before it disappeared. That's what made me a fan of, of both that movie and the show is I saw it. Likewise, it was like my I, I had just moved to Georgia. I mean, I, I was not in Georgia any length of time at all. Got together with some some friends and family that I really didn't know very well. You know, my my cousins, you know, that lived here. That you know, I mean, they were virtually strangers to me. They drug me to the theater, and that was like the only thing playing that you know, like as a group, we yeah. could all decide that yeah. felt like we would have an interest in. It. We went to see it. I'd never seen more than like five minutes of the TV show because I had dismissed it because I thought it was a spinoff of the Tim Burton Batman films. So I'd never watched it and watched uh, that movie. And I was used to watch completely blown away. Oh, yeah. And then I was hooked. Then I went back and watched all of it. And you right. know, now I have it on disc and the whole nine yards. But yeah, that's how I got into the Batman the Animated Series was through catching that movie in the theater, which turns out was quite the feat because it was like there, there and gone minutes, in like yeah. five minutes. Yeah. So anyway, um, he says, I even wrote Shirley Walker a fan letter about her music for the Batman cartoon and the Flash TV show and got a response back from her. That's awesome, man. And I, I hope you've held on to that. I hope you cherish that because, unfortunately, I don't know if you know it or not, we uh, we lost Shirley Walker. Um, it was about a year or so ago, I believe, which was a real shame. Um, I don't know. I don't remember now if they even said how she died, but I believe it was pretty unexpected. And she was fairly young, I do believe. So it was really it was it was a loss to the music world. I mean, she was a very talented musician and and a real shame. Um, Lastly, he says it would be interesting to find out if the Marvel issues are considered canon by Lucasfilm today. If memory serves, they seem to have selectively acknowledged certain characters and disavowed others. I know uh, that I personally consider consider them more valid than most of the other expanded universe material and even the prequels. If you haven't I, read it yet, what's that? I don't know about the prequels, but I agree with them for the most part there. I like I don't know if they're canon, but I definitely do hold them as more, 
you know, you could definitely tell that they were collaborating at least to some extent with Lucasfilm. If even right. if even Lucasfilm was just telling them what not to do, you know, that right. in, in whatever way, instead of, you know, Lucasfilm, I don't think was feeding them any advanced information for sure. But I did some research on this and, you know, my, my own personal opinion was, of course, I, I grew up with them. So my opinion was, well, of course, they're canon. And I think for the longest time, the you know once the series ended in particular, in that stretch between when when Star Wars the comic ended, and then Timothy Zahn started to put out those awful books, you know when Star Wars kind of had started to have a resurgence in novel right. form. Right. I think during that period they were dismissed and kind of not really forgotten, but people wanted to forget them, if you know what I mean. And they were not considered any sort of canon. But as the expanded universe has expanded further, I think now there are enough people out there that that have a fondness for that material and grew up with it and whatever that I don't think all 107 issues are considered canon. But a a lot more than than we might think of that is considered canon and has – been worked in 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 bits and pieces here and there and uh i you know like i said i did a little bit of research into this because you know probably my favorite marvel created star wars character was fen shisa and it turns out that fen shisa is pretty much canon so i mean if he's canon then that means a lot of the events and circumstances and other characters that he was involved with they've got to be drug into canon well, too. as far as i'm concerned but, if they start taking a little bit then it is you know it doesn't matter as long as is what it just depends on what your individual choice of it is to, and i cho- i choose to put all the stuff all the star wars into star wars marvel into canon in my brain right, right. I, I think that the whoever is in charge of those kind of decisions, I think that they really have bent over backwards as much as humanly possible to tie that stuff in unless it just does not fit. You know what I mean? If if there's just no way to yeah. squeeze it in, then it has to be dismissed. And but then otherwise, I just overlook it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he says, uh, if you haven't read it yet, I would highly recommend finding Back Issue Magazine number nine from Tomorrow's Publishing. It had a great uh, article featuring behind-the-scenes information about the writers, artists, and editors who worked on the Marvel Comics Star Wars series from start to finish, even referencing specific issues and story arcs. And he just signs it, Mei Yi Chun. And uh, yes, I do have that issue. Fantastic. If you can find it, it's well worth it. And I believe all of their... um, their back issues of back issue magazine are available through their website. They're a little pricey, which is why I don't have them all yet, but you know, they, I'm pretty sure they're all available and a lot of them are available as uh, downloadable PDFs or something to that effect that are, you know, like half price or whatever. So, you know, if you're interested in that Marvel star Wars stuff, and I know that we do have listeners that, you know, listen to us, you know, listen to these episodes because they're just as much in love with that material, you know, definitely, check that at least that one issue of back issue out it's number nine well worth your time and money great issue and and does cover the complete star uh, marvel star wars series start to finish so you know some great stuff there and then speaking of canon um 
I'll, I'll follow up with that in just a second. I did a little bit of research on the next thing that we're going to talk about to see if this might fit in at all. I understand that you just made a, a nice little purchase of a rare Star Wars comic yourself. Yes, I did. And I can't remember. I think it was uh, – I was it my friend Jack who turned it on to me? Johnny Bueno. Yes, yes, it, it was, was. Johnny Bueno. <clears throat> yep. And so I got it. I bought it at the bought it buy it now, and boom! It was in the mail. It was here within a week, nice and fast. Just like if somebody buys something from me on eBay. And yeah, <laughs> it's a Star Wars 3D, 10th anniversary series. So of course it's from 1987, and uh, featuring it's a uh, Blackthorn Publishing, featuring a kind of. Go- cool goofy cover where people's fit like Luke has a sort of Luke sort of looks like uh, Anakin from episode one grafted onto Luke's head and Han Solo has weird his teeth are just inked weird so that it's just weird (laughs) but other but inside it's awesome nice 3d Mm -hmm. uh, good art nice story uh, just sort of a weird little hey it happens on tattooing of yes. all places it just happens and it's just sort of luke going like come on han and chewy and 3po and i, I believe r2's there too right is r2 there or just 3po it's just 3po isn't it just 3po on this one, like, yeah. come on we're going we're going back to tattooing i have something to do and he really doesn't know what he has to do and uh Han is just sort of, yeah, whatever, I'm along for the ride, this kind of sucks, and I'll make wise cracks. And uh, Luke just has some sort of attachment to his to his uncle's farm and is seems to be sort of considering, like, maybe I should be, you know, I should just be a moisture farmer to, to uh, you know, honor my uncle or something. And uh, what, what it turns out there's this nasty smuggler guy and Luke basically ends up giving him, giving him the keys to the farm and saying, "Hey, look, Throg, I knew you were a farmer once till your farm was destroyed, and now you're a badass. But now you can remake your life." And Throg is, I think, at some point he actually says, "It's too late for Throg," or some something to that effect. You know, <laughs> for Throg, it is too late. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Throg. that's what he said. I am sorry, little man. For Throg, it is too late. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor Throg. He's such a big, angry guy, but inside he's just hurting. That's all. He just needs the deeds to the Skywalker's land. And, of course, when they leave at the end, you know, he's planting a, you know, flower, which I which I thought the farms were more like moisture farms, so wouldn't he be more like pouring some water into the cistern or something like that? But anyway... You know, there's, there's. Plus, it ju- looks like he's growing it on top of one of the mounds where <laughs> Luke's aunt uncle is buried, which is kind of creepy. Little man's family feeds Throg's <laughs> crop, <laughs> and this introduces some weird things like uh, the Millennium Falcon sort of stealth shield, which I can't determine if it's sort of a shield or if it makes it invisible. It makes it invisible in 3D if you close one eye. If you close your green eye, it disappears because it's only in green and not in red. So that's kind of a tricky little effect there. 
But the Jawas fight. There's a great scene where the Jawas discover it, and they're trying to, you know, break through it so they can scrap the Millennium Falcon, and they sort of stumble upon that. And you know, the, I mean, I really simplified the story, but you know, of course, they they you know go to tattooing and they run into. Eh, no, I, I can't. I read this last night. They don't run into any sand people, do they? They don't get, get in the sand pe- person fight. So. No. Stormtroopers, Jawas, lots of Jawas, and of course they go to the cantina. Where are we going, kid? To the cantina. So they go back to the uh, what you assume is the same cantina as the other one, and that's. I get the feeling that Tatooine is a small, pitiful planet with really not much else than like Ben Kenobi's house, Jabba's palace. And Mos Eisley's Cantina, and that's about it for like the whole friggin' planet. Well, no, you got Mos Epsa, and you've got you know something to, and you've got Beggars Canyon to race your pod racers. Oh yes, that's right, that's right. And and Jabba's Palace, and that's about it. And you know, and the well, no, there's all kinds of stuff, but it's just this one globe with stuff crammed all over where you get the Sarlacc pit and sand people. You you like this sort of like it's sort of like Disney World. Oh yeah, it was great. It's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like Disney World. The food's <laughs> overpriced. It's hot. <laughs> it's a little less crowded. <laughs> exactly. It's well, you know, it depends on if you go there on the off season. When they always film these movies there on the off season, you know, usually it's rocking there. You know, this that's when they have all the the lakes drained and everything for maintenance, so it just appears to be very dry. But Throg looks like uh he looks like somebody out of like Dreadstar or some Jim Starlin comic or something. He doesn't look yeah. very Star Warsy. He's just sort of a comic alien guy. He's got that he's got that Frankenstein stretched out Frankenstein head. And the aliens. It looks it's like the leader, a little bit like an alien version yes. of the leader from from Incredible Hulk to me. But uh, well, I, I've got some uh, some little trivia bits for you about this because you know you, you really uh, you, you you captured me on this when when you let me know about this. You know, somebody put a forum post or private message me or something about this. And oh, I know what it was. Is it was uh, Johnny Bueno sent me the the email about it. He's like, "Hey, did you know about this?" And it just so happens that um, there are actually three of these, and I have yes. all three of them. And uh, now, if you look at the covers, they all say Star Wars 3D, and each one is numbered. You know, they're one, two, and three. You know, in the upper left hand corner. However. That's not how you're going to find them in the Overstreet Guide. The the actual supposed official names of these are really Blackthorn 3D series. It's number 30. That's Star Wars 3D number one. And then numbers 47 and 48 are issues two and three. So, Weird. you know, when you, had, when you had talked to me, you know, off air about this, you know, and, and asked me, you know, is this worth getting or whatever? You know, I, I told you definitely, you know, jump on the number one because, you know, I remembered it being really good, although I couldn't remember specifics. I just remembered really, really liking it. But I was like, you know, avoid two and three like the plague. You know, they royally suck and all this. Well, when I sat down and reread number one so we could talk about it, you know, in this episode, I decided, well, what the hell? I'll read, reread two and three. Well, I was wrong. Two and Number two has basically the same team this one has. By the way, the writer on one and two is Len Wein. Yeah, Len Wein. You, know, you can't beat yeah. that. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, so um, so I was wrong about number two. And the reason that I was wrong, though, is that number two has a really wonky cover on it. It's it's actually a very small panel from the first issue blown up huge and made to be the cover of the second issue. So the art is like, you know, it's weird because it's, it's blown up too big. You know what I mean? It, it's been magnified too big for the cover. So it has right. this weird like manga S look to it. Right. And so, you know, I judged like it by the cover you know, when, I, when I looked at it and remembered it to be bad, but it's actually not bad at all. But the third issue, I mean, it's great to have as a, as a unique Star Wars collectible because this is a fairly rare item. But the third issue is just atrocious where Luke gets trained in the forest by these like flying Jawa looking guys. And it's really stupid. It was a terrible story. But the first two, especially the first one, the first one I thought was really, really good. I mean, I really enjoyed this, you know, the one that you just talked about. Um, my, my sole beef with it is, unfortunately, it somewhat negates a story that we're going to be coming up on pretty soon in the Marvel series where Luke and Han and Chewie and them, they do go back to Tatooine again. Right. And it covers a lot of the same ground. So the two stories, I don't think you can reconcile them. It's like one happened or the other happened or they neither one of them happened. But I don't really see how you can marry the two of them up. And that's kind of unfortunate because I, I like both storylines. Um, also, I looked it up, and it turns out that this Throg guy—he's actually—he's uh, actually um, what we were just talking about. He's considered canon because he—I'm not, not sure if he appears or he—if he's just mentioned, but he's actually in the Star Wars novel X-wing Rogue Squadron, which I haven't read yet, so I can't tell you that much about it. But he actually has his own like Wikipedia entry in the whole nine yards, so. There you go, you know, about yeah. Star Wars, you know, about comics being canon, you know, he he's in there. So I think that, you know, like I, I said before, I think it's not too late for Throg, little man. <laughs> well, I think some of these writers, you know, that, that are writing these novels as they remember and latch on to favorites in the Star Wars comics, I think they, they actually try to bring them in to canon as they can. I mean, you know, for that matter, uh, what's his name? Zahn has brought uh, star tours into actual canon in somehow or other, you know, again, I haven't read that yet either, but I'm really itching to, because I'm curious how, how in the world could you bring that in? So, you know, so, I mean, these guys have their favorite elements and, and they really try to work them in. So I, I think that's really cool, but uh, yeah, I would definitely encourage you, uh, Chris to, uh, you know, seek out at least the next one, you know, the number two, like I say, number three, you know, if you can get it on the extreme cheap, pick it up because it's just kind of fun, you know, it's like I'm fun, a stupid for fun. Three D, so I'll probably try to get all three eventually if I can. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to hunt it down to the ends of the earth. I'm not that. If I see it, if I see it and get the chance, opportunity, I will strike like an assassin. But otherwise, eh, I'm not going to go looking for it. Well, you also got to get the Rambo three in three D adaption that's sure. advertised on the back of uh, of number two and number three. <laughs> oh, there's Transformers in three D. Well, before we one. move on. Um, Got a couple other real quick things right here. Last time around, we were talking about the uh, Pizzazz Star Wars strips and their reprintings. And I just wanted to take a moment to call attention to, you know, other fun, rare Star Wars comics that I think may be of interest to, you know, the, the other fans, you know, the fellow fans out there, you know, particularly of the Marvel Star Wars comics and stuff like that. Um, now, 
Marvel, they also published a Star Wars title under the Marvel UK brand. And most of that Marvel UK Star Wars stuff, most of it was just reprints of what was already being published here in the U.S. But there were a few storylines that were unique to that imprint, um, some of which have been reprinted here in the United States, but not all of them. Um, the one I want to talk about is uh, Marvel Illustrated Books Star Wars 2 World of Fire, uh, which was the second issue of the Marvel uh, Illustrated Books. Um, you know, the, they did a series of, uh, of Star Wars books in the, in the illustrated format. There were two or three of them, I forget. Anyway, this one, it reprints the World of Fire story arc um, previously available only in Marvel UK's Star Wars Weekly issues 107 through 115, which was in black and white. Um, it was actually written by Chris Claremont, you know, Chris Claremont of the X-Men, with art by uh, Carmine Infantino and Gene Day, who've done a lot of the Star Wars, Marvel Star Wars comics that we've already talked about. And, you know, it's a really good self-contained Star Wars story that fits nicely right into this era of Star Wars that we're covering. And I think these were, they may have been like inventory stories or something like that. I'm not sure. But anyway, they, they were published, you know, in the UK, reprinted in this book. Um, I might review it sometime later, but it's going to be, you know, well in the future if we do ever get back to this. But I just thought I'd call attention to it. Um, it can be had fairly cheap, you know, if you, if you dig around for it on eBay or what and you're patient on it. And it's just what I consider, you know, one of the nicer little-known Star Wars treasures. And I thought that, you know, the listeners should know about it. Check it out. It's pretty cool. Lastly, before we go to Star Wars Clone Wars, i uh, got a quick book review for you. Okay, this book is Star Wars MedStar 2 Jedi Healer by Michael Reeves and Steve Perry. This is the abridged audiobook version read by Jonathan Davis. Um, this book picks up right where MedStar 1 left off with the same cast of all new characters set during the Clone Wars in a Star Wars version of basically a MASH unit from you know the old MASH TV show. All the, story, uh, all the story threads from the first book are picked up and continued, including the very well-done love story. And, you know, I thought that was expertly handled, and I actually cared about the characters and whether they were going to hook up and whether they were going to stay together and, you know, were they even going to survive, you know, the, the whole ordeal at the end of the book. You know, there's some genuine mystery about that, you know, what characters were going to live, who was going to die, that sort of thing. Um, the book was very, very good about generating uh that mystery and that, and that, uh, that tension. The main story continues with the intrigue surrounding, you know, this wonder drug that apparently only grows on this one planet, you know, where this, uh, this star Wars mash unit is and the attempt by several different factions to control the supply of it. It's discovered during the course of the story that the supply is drying up and soon there won't be any more of it that's viable so the race is on to seize what little there is left um, left of it and control it. Uh, in the meantime, Jedi uh, Barris Ophi, who's a Jedi healer, she's kind of like a Jedi doctor, basically. During the course of the story, she accidentally injects herself with this wonder drug while trying to save a life. And it profoundly affects her by like increasing all of her force senses and stuff and for a brief time she becomes like one with the force and she's all powerful. It, it gives her basically the ultimate force high. So 
she ends up getting hooked on it really and essentially becomes like a jedi junkie and you know that might sound weird or even a little silly but it's actually done very well it's pretty cool a force and, uh, junkie I, I, yeah it was it was really cool you know the the angle that she basically gets addicted to this you know higher level of the force than she's able to achieve on her own and you know next to the continuing story of I-5, who was, you know, a, a character from an earlier uh, Michael Reeves, Steve Perry book. I think it was the uh, Darth Maul Shadowhunter book, you know, except for that character in that storyline. This thing with Barris Opie, uh, Ophi rather, was what I liked best about this book. It was just really interesting. You know, how was she going to to beat this demon, basically? So, you know, in short, I don't want to give a lot away about it because it, it's really enjoyable. I, I thought it was great. And uh, it's different, and it was just original. It was it was something we hadn't seen in Star Wars before. You know, it, it's not just the same old, same old, and it gives us a different side of this same Star Wars universe and and the Clone Wars, uh, you know, as it's going on. But it's more of the down and dirty human side of the war and how it's affecting real people. You know, it's not just about you know the aloof Jedis in their temple or, you know, the Sith with their plots and plans, you know, this was, you know, just for the most part, normal, regular people. Right. And I, I enjoyed that. I think that's what makes it a really cool and, and unique story in the star Wars universe. It fleshes out and, the uh, universe in a way it hasn't been fleshed out really. Definitely. Definitely. And this is the kind of thing that, you know, if, if that live action, you know, that rumored live action show ever comes about, this is actually the kind of thing I'd, I'd much rather see in that show, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, I've come to realize that I think this Michael Reeves guy, I think he's got to be about the best Star Wars uh, novel author, that, that at least that I've read so far. And, uh, you know, now I'm really looking forward to, like, reading more of his books and, uh, you know, particularly that Death Star book that I just picked up. You know, that, that one will be coming down the pike for me pretty soon. So I'm pretty psyched about that because I really like his characterization and, and just his writing style. He's, he's really, really good. So in the meantime, you know, this book was uh, MedStar 2 Jedi Healer. Check it out. It was really good. Dr. Scott Gardner, podcaster par excellence, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strength that all nerds have. Then an accidental overdose of common sense alters his body chemistry. And now, when Scott Gardner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. Fuck! Three ninety nine. Can you fucking believe three ninety nine for this shit? For Christ's sakes, I can remember when these friggin' things were fifteen cents. The creature cents. is driven by rage and egged on by an instigative co-host. He's got a fat head. You shouldn't like him with a fat head. Creature is wanted for curse words he did not omit. Scott Gardner is believed to be a freak, and he must let the world think that he is a freak until he can find a way to control the raging fanboy that dwells within him. galaxy far, far away. 
there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome galactic empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Hey, we're back. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars with Marvel Star Wars comics. Um, we've got three more issues. Uh, number 21, 22, and 23 of the um, pretty convoluted and <laughs> not very intriguing story of intrigue on the, on, the, um, on the wheel. And uh, we start off this episode, or um, this issue, which is called Shadow of a Dark Lord and has a uh, Carmine Infantino and Terry Austin cover with a double-fisted looming Darth Vader in the background. And He's going... <laughs> and like, <laughs> Luke and Leia like in the fending-off posture and 3PO cowering in the background with R2. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, Carmine Infantino art... Um, this time with uh, Gene Day inking him, and I'm a I'm a big Gene Day fan, and Gene Day's has a really really good uh, a lot has done a lot of really good work on Star Wars, and with uh, Archie Goodwin as the writer and editor, and this one starts out with Leah who's escaping uh, from Gray Shade's clutches, and she's sort of at the last guard in line that she has to get away with, or get away from, and uh, so she knocks him out and. Uh, Sets out to find out what Grayshade's up to, and uh, foil his uh, his plan, whatever it is, or his plan that's either his plan or the Imperials' plan, or some combination of which, um, because uh, the Imperials want to take over the wheel by blaming a robbery they committed on on the rebels and swaying the favor towards the Imperials and needing their protection on the wheel. So, meanwhile, Luke is in some weird force trance slash coma thing that he just sort of seemed to pick up in deep, deep space after a sort of Ben Kenobi Alderaan moment. And uh, he's, like, not really floating through space, but he's, like, running through space trying to uh, flee from Darth Vader, who he senses is, is snapping at his heels behind him. And uh, so he meets Ben Kenobi, who's just sort of standing there in, in space, and tells him, you know, you must face your fears, Luke. So Luke goes, oh, okay, okay, I believe what you say, Ben Kenobi, I'll face my fears. Turns around, and there's Darth Vader with a lightsaber. So he fights him, and uh, whoops him pretty quick. And uh, sort of very much like the whooping his ass in the, in the tree on uh, Dagobah. And, uh, so, uh, this sort of snaps him out of his coma, and sort of in a Manchurian candidate moment, he's standing in a room full of, you know, guards that he's either knocked out or killed. It's really unclear what, you know, you sort of assume he's killed him because he was really slashing up things in, in space force time. You know, Leah shows up coincidentally, you know, right at this moment with the two droids in tow, tow, who she had just, you know, run into also. 
So everybody just sort of meets in one place at the same time. Meanwhile, Darth Vader is hot on Luke's trail. And, uh, which, uh, you know, I say that now, but that's kind of a big deal in the comics because this is the first time that Darth Vader sort of shows his face in reality. And, uh, he's, uh, finding, he's sort of at this planet and he's found the aftermath of, uh, Valance the Hunter. So there's a lot of, you know, robot pieces and half dead people you know, waiting to get the last bit of information squeezed out of him. So, he finds out from this dying rebel, uh, you know, coupled with his sort of uh, sensing of Luke earlier, it, it, it sends him off towards the wheel in search of Luke. And, uh, you know, he hears about Valance and his search for, you know, this young rebel who's strong in the force with his droids. And, uh, meanwhile... Luke and Leia and the droids have found the Imperial stash of this stolen loot that the Rebels had apparently, you know, allegedly stolen. And uh, R2, of course, handily holographically films some of the wheels' workers coming in and stealing it away from the Imperials, sort of double-crossing the Imperials. Um, Meanwhile, back to Han... He's uh he still owes money. So he signs up for the big gladiator game, which is fought in zero G. Sort of the same way Luke was fighting Darth Vader in his dream coma. And uh guess what? Surprise, surprise, when he uh ends up in his uh in the match, uh his opponent is Chewie, and it's of course a death match, so only one one person comes out of it, so who's going to kill who? Han or Chewie? And that's that's the end of ep- um, episode. I always want to call them episodes. Ah, call issue, them episodes. Issue number 21 of Star Wars Marvel Comics. Yeah, we might as well call them episodes, because that, that actually feels Star Wars-y. We want to call it episode-y, because we are very Star Wars-y, and it's in our genetics to say episode instead of issue. (laughs) So what do you think of this one? It's going right along with um, the rest of this. It's sort of a convoluted story and it's sort of a watered-down Star Wars, but what makes this issue for me, which just, you know, whatever happens in it just for the one page it's on page 16 and that's the return of Darth Vader yep and there he's standing there with his lightsaber out with a with a dead rebel in his clutched in his hands held up and he's on this like you know sort of you know there's dead rebels all over the place and ruins of a building or a crashed spaceship and stormtroopers but it looks like a really beautiful sort of uh, jungly planet, and there's these big tropical flowers behind him, and this red sun. It's this very, it's I think, just to not to get like wax poetic about it, but this is the first moment of true art, oh, artistic yes. beauty in in this this run of Star Wars comics. This is. This is a moment worthy of the movie. It's like dark. It, they could have had 
Darth Vader, and they have sort of had him enter into the stories in flashback or in Luke's coma. But it's you know it's sort of in a that's a sort of half-assed way, and it, and it, and in all those ways he was sort of presented very stereotypical bad guyish sort of showing up. But this Doctor Doom, he was very much a Doctor Doom, I yes. thought. And they could have had him show up in one of those sort of, but they have him show up, you know, with a big blooming flowers behind him. You know, how right. awesome is that? That's awesome. It's and it's very well drawn. I think um, my only note on this comic is uh, Carmine Infantino loves to draw Darth Vader <laughs> mm-hmm. because he draws him very well. And, you know, he's not consistently, you know, like his stormtroopers can be a little goofy and stuff, but Darth Vader is majestic. He looks great. Yes, and, yes uh, he does. And, you know, the the whole thing of, like, Han and Chewie being in the death match, of course that was going to happen, you know. that's <laughs> saw that coming, you know, you know, what, three, three episodes back or whatever. See, I'm going to call it episodes. And there's also another um, panel where Darth Vader kills off the rebel who just gave him the information. Is you know, he's please help me ease the pain, ease the pain, rebel. I'll end it entirely. And Vramp shoves his lightsaber. You know, gives him a killing blow with his <laughs> lightsaber. And that's a great that 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 frame is great. Where the, just the way he's got you know one hand gripped on the lightsaber and the other one on the top to just drive it down. Just awesome, awesome. It is awesome. So that that makes this episode. The rest of it's, I mean, pretty cheesy. It's all just moving characters from here to there to get them into the close to a resolution. You know, it's Leah, Leah taking out a couple people riding an elevator and thinking of things. So you get a little, little recap of the last couple episodes and and caught up to speed and. Luke's weird. Com- I mean, just the shot of him running through. I mean, he's running through space. He's you know tilted forward with his arms, you know, and the blaster in his hands. I can feel it. It's still back there, still coming, coming after me. <laughs> <laughs> but on the next page, there's some nice. There's a nice. Uh, Cheryl Ladd poster for sale. <laughs> and at the bottom, a, a Miss Linda Carter poster. Well, I like right the uh, the poster the on collage. the the inside front cover for uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Leonard Nimoy. I love that movie. Yeah, you know what? I have a little admission to make here. I've never seen it. I've read the photo novel. No way, really? I've never oh, seen it's that good. version. I know, it's, I've heard. It's good. Um... Page 10 and 11. Can I just say how long... I mean, Luke's had some long hair in these, you know, and I'll give it some artistic license, but come <laughs> on. He looks like It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is. It is. But Darth Vader looks awesome now. Oh, I mean, yeah. That looks like that Darth Vader Lives poster that used to be out when we were kids. Remember yes. that? Oh, yeah. Now, on this same page, 
What the hell is up with Ben Kenobi having a walking stick? He looks like Gandalf. <laughs> yes, Ben Kenobi never you had shall a walking not pass. <laughs> not I mean, shall he, pass. He he looks good and everything, but he does. He literally has a great big, like staff. And Ben never had a, a walking stick or a staff. I just don't – I don't – I mean, I guess it's just artistic license and all that. And he was – at least bits of him were taken from, you know, the you know, Gandalf and the books and all that. But maybe, still – Maybe in the afterlife he's got a little bit of forced rheumatism or something like that, you know? <laughs> also, I got to thinking about this literally while while you were doing this review – you know, I just read, uh, you know, that Star Wars 3D series, you know, as we were talking uh-huh. about earlier, Star Wars 3D number three has a scene very similar to this with, with Luke again overpowering Darth Vader in, in sort of a dream state. And I got to thinking about this. You know, is it just me or has Luke kicked a lot of Darth Vader ass over the years when you really get to thinking about it? In I mean, his mind. We, we got, <laughs> at least, you know, well, yeah, in his mind. But, I mean, we've got this. We've got uh, the Empire Cave sequence. We've got Star Wars 3D number three. Splinter of the Mind's and Eye. A Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yeah, he actually cuts his arm off. So, I mean, he really has kicked Vader's butt a number of times over the years, which takes Vader down a notch in, in my eyes somehow. But uh... Take that, old man. <laughs> Think you can still take me, old man? Come on. I'm drunk. I admit it. You want a piece of this? And you know what bugs me a lot more now than it ever bugged me as a kid reading these books? I mean, I love this one. This this was always one of my, my favorite issues because I think this reappearance of Darth Vader happened like at, at the exact right time. Because the series, you know, has had ups and downs, but they were pretty minor ups and downs. And then you get to a this good bad guy, really. Yeah. I mean, Valance the Hunter is a good bad guy, but he's just was sort of introduced. Right. And he's just been sort of around, So, but you haven't had a story featuring him yet for some reason. Right. But I mean, you know, e- even some of the weaker points, you know, like the thing with, with uh, you know, Han Solo and the Magnificent Seven and all that, you know, they, they didn't last over long or what. You know, any rough spots were, were pretty brief. I mean, I think up until we hit, 18 and the beginning of this story things were were firing pretty good you know the the series was really good but then you get to this series and it's not that it's bad or anything it's just that it is long i mean it is a six issue story really which was kind of rare back in these days and it, it gets a little long and a little convoluted so right smack in the middle of the story when when you know there might have you know been a, a tendency to maybe zone out a little bit or something all of a sudden boom Darth, yeah. Darth Vader returns, you know, and it's like, wow, this suddenly this story went from eh to holy shit, you know, and it's I, I was yeah. just fantastic. I mean, that was my exact reaction as a well, kid. And, was, and, and at eh. this point, they weren't really sure how much they wanted Darth Vader to know about Luke Skywalker, who he was or whatever. Right. So they have so this sort of in this issue, you sort of find out that when Luke went into that force thing, that it was he and Vader you know, Vader sort of sensing him and that sort of put him into the coma. But Vader doesn't know who he sensed. He just knows he sensed somebody, something going on with the force or some, you know, 
Mm-hmm. So, so it's strange. I don't think I don't think till after Empire they could really have because, you know, by Empire, you know, when someone, you know, it's generally acknowledged that that Darth Vader knows who Luke Skywalker is. So, right. So I don't think until oh, after Empire the comics could probably address that. Like I that. tangented myself, but what I what I meant to say was what what bugs me now that never used to really bug me as a kid was oh god yeah do they do they never get Luke's lightsaber color right I mean I think I've seen it be every color but blue in these stories and I, that just kind of bugs me after a while yeah I think they just sort of because blue doesn't seem like a hot color it's always you know red and yellow and even white seem like hot fire colors you know and orange and paisleys and yeah (laughs) now number uh, page 15 that last panel I've always loved it even before I could really truly appreciate comic art when it was done well and and, you know like stylization and framing sequences and all that sort of thing but you look at that it's expertly done yeah it is it's just this this harsh light from overhead coming down on a you know the rest of it's all blacked out it's just you know spotlighting our heroes and, and Luke's you know, dire announcement that Darth Vader is alive and searching for them. I mean, it's just great. I love that, you know, it it, it just, just adds so much weight to this issue. You know, suddenly the whole threat level just got ratcheted up so high. I love it. Well, the only other thing I've got for this one is, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that, uh, Chewie does have one line in this book. It's Rark. I love it. I love Chewie's dialogue. Uh, not his best line, but it'll do for for this this. Uh, I'll be on the lookout for the next episode for some good Chewie dialogue, which will what bring is, us to the next. Well, episode. what is up with his big toe, though? Do you see his big toe in that last panel? I mean, that is that right, or well, would I, that like really hurt? I think I don't know what it is with Infantino, man. He's got some. He's a little perverted. Maybe he's into Wookiee feet or something. And he's definitely into Princess Leia's boobs. Let me let me just. Oh say yes, that right so now. am I. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Because you know, okay, you know, the age and watching the movie and stuff, and you know, but I mean, Carmine Infantino's really. Uh, pardon my turn of phrase, but he's sort of really gotten a hold of what Carrie Fisher's boobs look like size and shape wise. <laughs> and no matter what she's wearing, it clings. So you, you know, you, you know, he really knows her boobs inside and out. He's got them every frame, which makes me wonder about Carmine Infantino a little bit. I mean, what, you know, it's just, it just seems to be, you know, maybe it was a wise finance. Maybe it was something the higher up said, Hey, you know, get a little bit of, pinup action in there but i tend to think you know how those artists are you know those are crumb type things they sort of want to draw you know i i'm just saying if if you really pay attention to that aspect you'll see that carmine infantito has paid a lot of attention to getting that right not not that girls didn't read Star Wars comics because I know my cousin Michelle was well, picking these up when we were Han kids. There's some Solo cheesecake in that up in the in in, in number twenty one right. too. They're, when they're spraying him down at the end, right. with some sort of weird space mist. 
but still, I mean, the audience was more than likely teenage boys. Right. So, you know, Carmine's just giving them what they want, you know? Yeah, I'm sure it Works. helped. I'm sure it helped him while away the hours at the illustration table, too. Mm hmm. All right, so 20, uh, 22? On to 22, okay, yes. <laughs> Another with a with an Infantino Wyacek cover, uh, Han Solo versus Chewbacca. To the last gladiator. There's no choice in this arena, Chewie. Like it or not, you gotta kill me. Okay, then. And Chewie, yeah, Chewie's pointing the gun right at him and he's like, rah! <laughs> like, and Chewie's got weird Muppet face in this on this cover for sure. You can almost see the hand inside of his mouth just like... You know, like... It's I, sweet. It's sweetums from the Muppets. It's got a little bit of Cookie Monster into a little um, 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 um. yeah yeah exactly, so that's a little weird. And actually, in the first page, Chewie's face looks like a mask, like taped to like a mask drawn by Kirby, taped onto some like a piece of carpet floating in space. It's very strange. Anyway, <clears throat> that's for later. We'll we'll uh, get to that after we. After we get to our story, so in the in the gladiatorial battle, Han and Chewie begin to uh, sort of team up and take out all the other uh, players. Strom and Grayshade are watching, and they're sort of arguing over the wisdom of letting Han and Chewie live for so long. And uh, Grayshade points out that only one gladiator can live, and if Han and Chewie don't kill each other, then that forfeits a match, and they'll just kill both of them. So Strom thinks, yeah, that's a great idea, and then sort of passes out from the sedative that Grayshade's uh, slipped into his drinky drink. So uh, Luke and Leia, meanwhile, are trailing the guards from the wheel who've stolen the the money that the Imperials have, and uh, so they've got a bunch of strong boxes, and uh, they're taking them to this sort of hangar bay, and... Uh, so they're going to check out what these guys are doing at the ha- hangar bay, and they find out that they knew that they were following them all the time, and it's an ambush. So Luke starts taking out the guards, but uh, Grayshade shows up and uh, pulls a gun on Leah. And uh, he'd been loading the money into his own private yacht, you know, for for escape. So, so he's basically double-crossing everybody and boogieing out of town. Meanwhile, Darth Vader's uh, whipping towards a wheel in a Star Destroyer and uh, choking its com- his commander with the Force to keep him in line, you know, standard operating procedure. So uh, Grayshade uh, offers uh, to expose the Empire's plan and free Luke, Han and Chewie, and the droids if uh, Leia goes with him away on his love yacht um, with all the stolen Empire booty. He shows Han and Chewie in the gladiatorial ring to seal the deal. So Leah takes the deal after she sees uh, Chewie shoot Han. So she thinks, oh my god, you know, how many of my friends are going to die if I don't take this deal? So that's the end of number 22. With uh, with an apparently dead Han Solo. <laughs> I'll miss him. They killed him! <laughs> now, uh, what, what do you Somebody think of this one? fix it. <laughs> uh, you know, once again, it's this this whole storyline's like, 
uh, Darth Vader's just um, sort of he's he's back and he's bad, but he's just gets a little little sort of cameo in this one. I li- I like the page like two and three that double page spread of the the gladi- you know gladiator fight. Right. The weird blue bat. It's weird with a blue background, and yeah. Han's like wearing space spandex or something. It's you know it's just. It it's looks a, a, a lot like uh, like his, uh, you know, Infantino. I mean, it looks like a, a lot like his, like, uh, what was that book? Str- was it Strange Adventures or Space Adventure? Whatever, Mystery in Space, whatever it was with Adam Strange there. You know, the guy from Ron with the rocket pack and all right, that. Right, right. I'm pretty sure that Carmine Infantino did a lot of that stuff. And this seems very reminiscent of that, you know, even the the blaster pistols and and people with jetpacks and just the way people are flying around looks a lot like that, you know, like like you know Adam Strange and all that. But I, I like it, though. I mean, I, it looks good. But I tell you, my the first thing I was going to remark about was I I don't like the art as much in this issue. No, but it seems a I little hurried. Yeah, well, I, I think I actually I feel like I have a leg up on this issue now, having read that that interview with Wycheck, you know, just like yesterday in that back issue magazine, because he talks about, for one thing, he he and Gene Day were literally swapping back and forth on these issues to meet deadlines, and they were both working on other projects and stuff like that. So that's why it goes back and forth constantly between him and Gene Day. But also, Wycheck was in kind of like an experimental phase at this point. He was, you know, like using different inking techniques and different inking styles and implements and stuff like that. And I think you can actually see it in this issue. I mean, you look at like the first couple of pages – and the lines are real heavy. It's almost like a like a Klaus Jansen kind of ink, you know, where it's really heavy. Yeah. And then you get to like page eleven, and it's more like Gene Day's style. You know, it's it's very well, tight. The, the, and the space battle is also is is a different whole style. It's very cramped and mm-hmm. you know heavy lines, and it's or not heavy lines, but big, like lots of dark, almost Frank Millery. Yeah, sort of stuff. So yeah, you're right. It is this. It changes. It sort of changes style like several times. Yep. There's also just a lot of people like talking to each other in this one. And, yeah. And and all the talking to each other is is pretty much you know the point is in the first word balloon and then the rest after that is sort of seems almost like treading water you know. Right. And just sort of a restatement over and over, but. Uh, once again, the part with Darth Vader is great. The one page featuring Darth Vader, the scene of him standing at the helm of the Star Destroyer, you know, with one fist clenched, you know, standing <laughs> astride there, you know, is it's great. You know, it's it's awesome. There's three frames of him panels, you know, with Darth Vader and the whole thing. The one panel of the Star Destroyer going into hyperspace or in hyperspace or whatever it's doing is not too bad either. But yeah, but I think treading yeah. water is a good way to to sum this issue up, though. I I do think that, you know, I mean, it was needed and all. You know, I don't think there's anything in here we didn't need as far as the the plot, but it's just it it's drug out. You know, when once the once the dialogue is applied, then then the uh, you know the whole thing just seems very. 
padded. Yeah, but, uh, I but mean, yeah, basically, it's, it's and I, and also it, it it's and, and and you know I can't fault it too too much because you know it is a comic book after all, but it does set, you know set up a th- the thing on the cover and ends. The the cover is basically like where the cliffhanger starts, you know. So you don't get to see what happens from the cover. The cover is basically just sort of a tease for for a cliffhanger, right? Which if if you but at that point if you were us <laughs> buying this comic and it didn't matter. You were buying issue number twenty three anyway, no matter what. So it wasn't too much of a jip, is what I'm trying to say. I must have been all over the place reading these as a kid because this is one I know that I got year. Now, the one we just did, 21, I know I had as a kid because I love that issue with Vader. See, I didn't have but it. I didn't, I did, I didn't have this one. Time re- this is my first time reading all these ones. From here on <laughs> for a good run until probably after Empire. Oh, wow. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't involved at all. And well, I, you're in, I, you're I read a few of them at your house, you know, you know visiting at your house but yeah uh, for a lot of these these are going to be my first time through them it's going to be awesome mm-hmm. hopefully for the most part no i promise you there's some good stuff coming up really good stuff because this this to me honestly not that this is bad but no yeah. it's not bad but this this is the weakest storyline it really is the the wheel story i think largely because of its length is is the weakest pre-Empire, you know, story in in the Marvel run. And from here, I mean, I'm not saying they're all, you know, knockouts, but they're all solid. You know what I mean? They're all really enjoyable stories. So, yeah, definitely. So you want me to uh, hop on number 23 here? Yeah. I love the cover on this one, by the way. Flight into Fury, Infantio and Wycheck again. Um... Yes, you've escaped the wheel rebels, but you must now you now must face the wrath of Darth Vader. The wrath of Darth Vader. <laughs> so of course Archie Goodwin again writer editor Carmen Infantino Wycheck artist. So as you remember, you know, Leah's taken Grey Shades offer and Luke's pissed because at this point Luke still, you know, is interested in Leah's boobs is as apparently Carmine Infantino is. So he said me and and you and me and so so many other people. <laughs> so Luke, if we can only if we can only convert one person to Leah's boobs, then all this will be worth it. So anyway, Luke storms off in in, in a bit of a huff, you know sort of yells at one of the guards, shut up, I've just seen a good friend die, and I'm about to lose the girl eye, dot, 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 the girl eye, dot, 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 just shut up, storms away. But Leah stops him, and they stop to make out awkwardly, which is even more awkward knowing what we know now. So, uh, we find out in the big gladiatorial fight where uh, Chewie blasted Han, apparently killing him, that Han's just playing possum after sort of doing a little uh, little uh, shifty 
switcheroony and uh, slipping a dead opponent's blast shield under his shirt. So it only appeared that uh, that Chewie killed him. So uh, Strom wakes up from his um, poison or you know sedative that he's been given, and uh, since he's an imperial officer, I guess he's uh, I guess he's been trained in poisons or he's used to to poisons. So he recovers fairly quickly, quicker than he's supposed to, and uh, declares martial law and sends troopers out to get gray shade so the the wheel is thrown into martial law and uh gray shade tells his computer who's hooked into the wheel master khan to uh open the shields and let his yacht go and uh and let the falcon escape uh he tries to do this but the troopers who are there blast him before he can uh put the shields down and free them so meanwhile Grayshade sort of has a change of heart and fights off the troopers as Luke and Leah and 3PO leave him in the yacht. And Master Calm, having switched to a new body, finds R2 and transmits his data about the Imperial plot through the wheel, you know, the wheel TV screens. And that causes a riot in the crowds who realize that the Imperials have been duping them and now have, you know, declared martial law. And uh, remember, Master Khan, the computer from uh, from the wheel, has sort of a fascination with um, R2 and 3PO because they have a close relationship with Luke, and that's sort of the way he is with Grayshade. So, um, so he sticks R2 in a in a pod and launches him out towards the the yacht, which has, meanwhile, you know, uh, blasted out of the wheel. So Master Khan catches up to Grayshade at, at just as Strom is about to kill him. And uh, Grayshade blows up Strom with a grenade. Luke, Leia, and the droids run into Vader's ship. And just as they're about to be captured, the Falcon attacks right out of Star Wars style, uh, buying them a little bit of time. So now Vader, seeing the Falcon, recognizes him from the Death Star as the ship that sort of uh, blasted him out into space. So um, he immediately sets the um, Star Destroyer after the, the Millennium Falcon and orders, you know, that it be blasted to pieces. And Luke, using the Force, mentally blasts Vader and, you know, gives him a little bit of a Force blast, kicking his ass once again, just as we were talking about in the last issue, or as you were talking about... And uh, both both ships go into hyperspace and escape, leaving Darth Vader once again to clench his fists and and be pissed. I think he no! actually, except I think he actually goes oh in this one when he gets uh, zapped by Luke, <laughs> which is what Not- he does when when he gets when Luke's beating him up in Jedi too. Oh, you know. <laughs> That's so, true. That's true. Now, how about that first panel on the very last page? That face that Luke is making right there, I made that same face the last time I ate a pan full of rice. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, his teeth are about to crack. They're so clenched it's together. Like... Both fists. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Although I love the next, I love the next two panels are awesome, with the Star Destroyer and the Falcon and Vader, ah, oh, with his with his uh, generals looking on in the background. I saw that panel, the the second one you're talking about with the with the Falcon, and then it's got the Star Destroyer dead on its heels. Yeah. And I got to thinking about something I read somewhere or something about all the similarities between from about this storyline on up until empire comes up all the similarities between like this and empire. And I remember thinking what similarities, but you know, after reading this again, there's, there's a hell of a lot of stuff that happens in this storyline that actually is mirrored in empire. Yeah. Well, the the Falcon, the Falcon being a, being a distraction to a star destroyer. Mm -hmm. Um, Vader force choking people and stuff because I mean, yep. granted he did that in that one part in the original Star Wars, but I mean he didn't yeah. actually like choke anybody to the floor or no, anything that, like that, like he is, does in this. You're right, and I didn't think of it. That's totally Empire style. Well, it's funny because like one of the jokes is like the euphemism for for dying for 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 death in the Empire is you know he went to work for Darth Vader. Right, you know, <laughs> it's just you know when so, you know. I mean, basically, basically, you work with Darth. If you work with Darth Vader, anybody who doesn't have a hundred per, or uh, I wouldn't say a hundred percent, but probably a ninety percent success rate with Darth Vader is probably just dead. <laughs> you know, right. it's probably it's probably a little bit of survival of the fittest going on there. So, you know, I mean, the guys working under Darth Vader are a crack team, but man, you just don't want to screw up at all. (laughs) And even when you do screw up, you don't just get like taken into the break room and like, look, I got to talk to you here. You know, um, we're not very, we're not very happy with the way you've been, uh, been talking to people. You know, it's just like, (laughs) Nope, you get more of the God, God, yeah. but, but Lord Vader but God, treatment, really. So, but uh, well, the other thing too is is you know I got to thinking about basically this story with the wheel. Now you know the specifics are all different and stuff like that, but you know with the Empire kind of horning in on the action and and coming in under false pretenses and and trying to you know seize the place and everything it's very much like the whole Garrison storyline thing with Cloud City and Empire oh, sure. so i i see a lot of similarities between this oh, and gray, Empire gray, just... gray shade being the sort of Lando Calrissian mm-hmm. character who's working both sides and is hello what have we here <laughs> Yeah, and and you've got your Lobot sidekick too in Master Khan. That's true. That's true. The, and what, and you, you th- know the wheel is sort of like Cloud City. It's a big round thing up in the air. This is true. I think the art stepped back up in this one. Yes. You know, it, it's the same team as last issue. But I think that uh, Wycheck, may, maybe he got some of that weird experimental stuff out of his system or something. I don't know, but I, I just – I really like it. for sure. Oh, On yeah. page 23, the picture of the Star Destroyer from below is great. It reminds me of um, – Oh, yeah. What's his name? Al Williamson. Yeah. 
in yeah, a lot I, of ways. I, I like I love that picture. That one makes up for the one where is it? There's one I was gonna comment. Yeah, on page fifteen, third panel, it's a great picture, but look at the what do they call that? A conning tower up at the it, it's all like it looks like uh, like it's made out of Legos that are about to fall over. <laughs> yeah. It's like all really weird. It's you know what I mean? It's yeah, like it got yeah. nudged out of place or something. It's just kind of strange looking. But uh, some other notes about the art. I, I don't know whose design Gray Shade Ship was, but I never liked it. It always reminded me of like the Manta ship from what was it like Super Friends or something yeah. like. I, I don't know. I just, I never did like that design. It just doesn't look Star Warsy to me. It, it looks like Saturday morning cartoon to me somehow. And then Luke needs a damn haircut, man. What? Is, what I don't, is, know. I don't what know what's going Luke's, on. Luke's got some messed up hair. He looks like he looks like uh, what's his name? I don't know whether it's Siegfried or Roy or Siegfried and Roy, but he looks like Siegfried and or Roy. And Chewie, of course, says Worf in this one. Worf. Oh, I had a better one for you. I've got a uh, where is it here? He says, "Do you remember when we used to fight with empty paper towel rolls?" Yep. And we'd hit each other in the head with them, and they'd make that awesome sound. What yeah. did we used to say when we did that? Chewie says it in this issue. He says, Bork. Oh. We used to say that. We used to hit each other with these empty right. paper towel rolls and go, Bork, Bork to the head and stuff. And he's <laughs> either that or maybe he's channeling the uh, the Swedish chef from the exactly. Muppets. Exactly. <laughs> but it's great. I just, I just also want to read the description of Luke and Leia making out just to add to the perversity of this episode. And, uh, you know, she comes up behind him and puts her hand on his – and he's looking very Siegfried and Roy in this. He's got big old lips, too, and the long hair. There's still – she says, there's still time to say goodbye. Whatever you feel about my decision, it's time we may never have again. And he says, I – I – we I guess may that's never what... love like this again. Thank God. I guess that's what bothers me most, he says. The embrace is clumsy, the kiss awkward. But as he watches from the yacht's hatchway, wheel administrator Simon Grayshade senses feelings and emotions he can never know. And prop... maybe he doesn't have a sister, that's why. <laughs> They're from the planet Alabama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> With apologies to our Alabama listeners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What'd they say? <laughs> no, I... Mom, get the gun. That's not funny, is it, sis? But, uh, I mean, I, I love, I, I really do like the art in this one. Like I said, I think it takes a step back up, but. Poor Chewy, man. I mean, when when are we when are we going to get back to getting a really good? I mean, everybody else I think looks really good, but Chewy has just totally his got. Face the, is either elongated the, or like his his hair is also very very long and like he's he looks like almost like the manga style Chewy or an Oriental oh, yeah. Sasquatch Chewy or yeah. something. I don't know. It's weird. Infantino, there you go. He has trouble with Stormtroopers and 3PO, too, although he does okay with 3PO in this one, but he has trouble with R2, too. I noticed that Master Calm changes a lot, too, from being kind of a scrawny, tall robot to a short, fat robot and stuff, but uh, 
but I don't mean to pick on him on infancy. I mean, I still really like it in the shot top of page 17 of Chewy just like chilling out cross-legged sitting on that hover thing just cracks me up yeah. man I mean, he's just like totally kicked back but he's got Sasquatch face going on uh-huh. big time he doesn't he just doesn't look like your classic Chewy to me but but still love it I, I enjoyed this issue I, I like the wrap up of the story and uh, and where it goes and everything and uh but I think more than anything, I'm just kind of glad to be it's past over. it because, yeah. yeah, from here we get, I mean, we get some, some fantastic stuff. Because, uh, you know, next issue we got, uh, you know, we got a, a Ben Kenobi solo story flashback that's that's just great. And I know you and I are really looking forward to that to see both how it holds up to our memory. Well, you, you haven't read it before. I haven't read said, it. Right? I'm, I'm looking to see how it holds up to... Uh... To continuity, you know, to, yeah. The, to the yeah, to episode one through three, and see how right. see see what they got, see what by chance you know hit and what missed. It'll be really interesting. I've already sort of peeked at it a little bit, and I noticed that um, you know um, he looks a bit like they've drawn him, so he's a plausibly could be fit into the you know Ewan McGregor style. Obi-Wan Kenobi, so it'll be interesting. It will be. And then we've got 25, which, uh, you know, that, that that was really, I think, more than any other comic I, I got as a kid, that was the one that hooked me to wanting to just collect comics. I, I remember seeing that one at, you remember Mike's Quick Stop in yep. Carthage? Oh, yeah. I bought that one off the stand and was just like, Wow, you know the the cover, the story, the art, everything just just floored me, and and that was it, man. That that comic was the absolute deal sealer right there. I, I love that issue. So, yeah, some great stuff coming up. Yep, Silent Drifting is the name of the next one, an untold tale of Obi Wan Kenobi in the days of the old Republic, days <laughs> we're actually familiar with now. Oh yeah. But I mean back then it was like ooh cool. Oh yeah. It still is now actually. So there you Looking go. forward to it. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps us up, up for this time. Um just give a couple quick shout outs. Make sure that you check out some of the other podcasts out there in Podcast Land. Um some friends of ours that you should check out is uh, Alec Berry's Teenage Wasteland podcast. Check out John and Charlie over at Alternate Reality. Great, great show. Check out uh, the Super Future Friends if you like the uh, Legion of Superheroes. That that podcast is just a whole hell of a lot of fun. Avengers Assemble's got a brand new uh, show that they just put up, so check them out. Tell them that we sent you. And uh, you know, if you're into the whole Disney scene at all, you can't do any better than Inside the Magic. That that's a fantastic show. And uh, pick up Back Issue Magazine, man. I've, I've plugged it plenty enough times on this episode. It's a great magazine. You won't be sorry that you checked it out. Yeah. I can't think of anything to plug <laughs> off the top of my head. So fuck everybody else out there, man. Watch, Listen to Two True Freaks. And uh, listen to all our episodes. Download all of them. Even if it takes you months to listen to them, listen to them. And if you have to quit your job, if you have to divorce your wife, if you have to, like, leave your little babies, your little babies, okay, leave them. If 
you need the time to listen to all the back episodes of Two True Freaks. <laughs> Do it. Don't worry about a job. You don't need a job. Nah. You, can, you can just sell drugs or something. Just enough to keep your internet. Hey, you, you know what? You only have to keep it long enough to download it onto an iPod and just steal people's iPods from their cars and just fill them up with Two True Freaks, carry them around with you in your shopping cart, and listen. You're listen, will you right. listen? You're right about the job thing, man, because I've been out of work since November, and I'm fixing to go back to Disney World again. So, <laughs> you can do it. I want you to all get up right now and go to the window and take your chair and throw it through the window and stick your head out the window and scream, I am a freak! And I'm not going to take it anymore. And then start throwing other things out the window. (laughs) Do it. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. TwoTrueFreaks.Libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email us directly at TwoTrueFreaks at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Two True Freaks podcast. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1-585-COP-LURE. That's 1-585-267-5873. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U. But wait, there's more! Two True Freaks is very proud to present a sensational new group. It's Hatch with the Table Song. Come put your souls down on the table. Gamble your holiness away for clowns. She feels completely free to seem disabled. Look not now to see what we have done. She's so beautiful, stupid and mean to me. Slamming on the steel, gleaming her scene. Lonely winter tree, snow covered disabled. Lying in the snow, like dying buffalo. So if you lose your souls, again we at the table. Don't expect the devil to set you all free. 
You can check Hatch out at myspace.com slash one hatch band. That's myspace.com slash the number one H-A-T-C-H-B-A-N-D. Where you can learn more about the band, sample more of their great music, and even buy their new CD. And tell them Two True Freaks sent you.